Hello, this is Darren Pulsifer, and welcome to Embracing Digital Transformation, where we investigate effective digital transformation using people, process, and technology. In today's episode, we're going to talk about the infrastructure maturity model. The infrastructure maturity model is a tool that we use to help organizations find out where they are and where they can move to as far as maturing in the way that they manage their infrastructure. And we use this model to sit down with organizations that may be stuck, um, not knowing what to do to move forward as far as adoption of cloud technology, infrastructure improvement, private cloud, all there's so many different things that are going on that we found that many organizations become paralyzed, not knowing what to do, and only looking at products instead of looking at a roadmap of capabilities or technologies that can be leveraged to help them move forward. So up in the far right, right corner, as we always do in any PowerPoint presentation, you've got the utopian, the perfect um, data center, the complete lights-out data center, um, one sysadmin managing 10,000 nodes with the petabytes and petabytes of storage, and everything's happening automatically and dynamically. That's where we want to get to. Um, I've even had some customers that have gotten close into that space, and I said, well, what about replacement of servers? Don't you want robots to do that automatically for you? So anytime someone gets close to that utopian data center, I always move the bar a little bit further. We, we, there's more we can do, right? There's a bigger vision that we have. But the goal here is not to be consumed about the complete end goal, but to find out how to make it to that end goal. And in many cases, when I sit down with an organization, we find that they have a majority of their organization is in one spot. And then they've got a couple groups that may be kind of leading the way. Right? They're out there trying new things. They're further along. And it's okay to have your organization like that. In fact, it's pretty healthy to have an organization that has a, a small group that's out there looking at new technologies, looking at new things to do. Um, because they can um, fail without affecting uh, the whole organization, or they can have a breakthrough and then pull the rest of the organization up with them. So there's a lot of benefits um, to that. And it's great to understand where those organizations are and what they're doing with respect to this roadmap. So let's break this roadmap. It's broken down into phases. Let's go ahead and take a look at uh, the first phase that I talk about. And this phase should sound very familiar to most people. We call it the standardized phase. Almost every organization I talk to is in this phase or beyond this phase. But this gives us a nice, strong um, baseline where people, where we can start talking about some of the common things that we're seeing across all organizations. So at the very bottom, we call it basic, uncoordinated infrastructure. I actually see this quite a bit um, in startups, even today that are even starting up on, uh, on the cloud, right? They're doing Greenfield completely on the cloud. I even see some of these same behaviors there. It's total management by reaction. I need a server, I either spin one up in the cloud or I go and buy, buy one from the store, um, buy Best Buy or Fry's Electronics or whatever. I buy things as I need them. Um, very reactive, everything's uh, driven on events that are happening. 
Another thing I see here is I see the old purpose-built hardware software stacks. So, oh, I need a database. I'm going to go buy a database server, right? Instead of I'm going to buy capacity and I'm going to put a database um, uh, server onto a, onto a set of machines. That comes later, right? This is I'm purpose-building everything. And we also see a large, uh, heavy cottage IT um, in this uh, phase of, of uh, maturity where everyone's just, it's kind of uh, wild west here. The next phase that we look at that is natural progression that most people have already gone to is the centralized phase where I have infrastructures now centralized. I'm buying capacity instead of purpose-built hardware. I'm not being reactive. I'm buying ahead of time. Uh, on what I know needs uh, to come forward. I typically at this phase will have some common server configurations uh, that I want to use. So I can purchase in volume, I get better discounts, and I have higher reliability because I already understand these servers, these configurations, I've already worked through them. And then we also see a change in IT. IT becomes more centralized where I've got network, storage, compute, and security teams. Um, established in my central IT organization. Most organizations already have this. They're already at this point. And then we move up into the simplified, uh, when I move beyond centralized, where I'm now starting to consolidate infrastructure. I'm breaking down silos in my data center between different departments, and they're starting to share equipment, um, share servers, share storage, and things like that. And I'm starting to uh, do a better job at migrating from old ways of doing things into this new centralized way. Um, and I'm, I'm getting better performance, easier manageability, and my OPEX costs are starting to go down. Now, this standardized phase is a very uh, phase that everyone has pretty much started at. But the next phase is, is a phase where everyone is really at today that I see at least some part of the virtualized phase. And this is where we start talking about standard configurations, but this is where we really start talking about private clouds for the first time. And when I look at virtualization, it's just one aspect of a private cloud. There's also bare metal provisioning in private clouds. But server virtualization really gave me that flexibility now that I need in order to run applications on several different machines, uh, move them around machines um, as I need to. There's a lot of benefits to it. Server virtualization has been around for about 20 years or so um, with the rise of VMware, KVM, and also Hyper-V, right? So I've got uh, Windows and Linux completely covered. Both open source and commercial products are available in this space. Um, another really interesting thing that we saw maybe about five years ago uh, was storage virtualization or software-defined storage. There are open source um, tools in here like Ceph, and there's also commercial ones like Nutanix and vSAN from VMware. And storage virtualization did the same thing for storage as with server virtualization. I now can have my storage span across my whole ecosystem. Instead of just NFS mounting things everywhere, I now can provision um, storage for specific applications. 
and that storage and application can move around in my infrastructure uh, based off of policies and things like that instead of it being tied or me allocating a certain amount of storage in a NAS or a SAN for a application mounting it everywhere. This gives me more flexibility. I can do things more dynamically on the fly. And then kind of the latecomer to the equation on virtualization was a software-defined networking or network virtualization. And with this, we've seen a huge investment from all of the ISPs, the internet service providers, because before they would have purpose-built hardware, and if they had to make a change, they would sometimes have to go to the central office and make the change, or you know, it required special skills to make those changes. Now with this network virtualization, they're able to dynamically change things in the network as they need to. No more drives out to the central office. I can now do those things more remote and I can dynamically provision network assets. Um, huge benefit, a lot of um, really cool technology in this space, but both commercial and open source are available in there. Um, everything, um, and all these are tied together in um, offerings that we're seeing in the private cloud space. Uh, things like OpenStack and uh, VMware VCF that are giving me, or and, and even Nutanix, are, they're giving me all of uh, this virtualization in one pane of glass, much easier to manage. We're seeing organizations move into this space. We also see organizations changing and consolidating their IT. Instead of it being vertically focused, we're now seeing them look across everything with applications and systems and services now more so than compute, storage, and network. So we're seeing a shift in organizations as well. Now, if I continue on, the natural progression is to continue to move up the stack here would be automation. So now I start looking at automatically provisioning infrastructure. So I've seen organizations do this. They have this great cloud technology they put into place, everything's virtualized. They still have a ticketing system to say, oh, I need a VM of this size. And then an IT engineer goes and provisions it. And it takes you know, permissions of several different layers. Um, and they go and provision it. And your turnaround time is maybe a day or two days, right? With this automated infrastructure, now things become more automated, right? So not only in the provisioning of um, things, this is where we start getting self-service portals. When engineers, uh, software developers need something, they just go to a portal, click, 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 and um, they get um, the resources that they need automatically without an IT person um, in the middle, right? This automatic provisioning, also um, we have the ability to do automatic or basic automation of patches, of VMs, security and compliance. All these things um, start having a, a great um, play in things. And instead of IT being in this more reactive mode, they're more in a proactive mode now. They, are, um, they have automated things such that an organization, when I deploy a new VM, all the security patches are already there. Um, any uh, monitoring is already included in the VMs. All this is happening behind the scenes. 
uh, where the software developers or the engineering teams aren't worried about it. Another thing that happens in this phase is the automatic um, deployment of app or the automatic um, starting up of infrastructure for applications in production um, and self-healing applications. These sorts of things um, start happening in this phase. As we keep moving up the stack, um, you can imagine as this automation becomes more and more complex, we need to start thinking about orchestration. And when we talk about orchestration, the major difference between orchestration and automation is automation is applying um, certain things that will happen onto a machine, right? When I talk about orchestration, it's more like the coordination of actions happening across multiple machines or even across different modalities, storage, compute, network. When I orchestrate storage, compute, and network together, I'm using automation scripts in those to help bring everything together for um, an application. We also see automated application stacks. So instead of just deploying an application, I'm now deploying several applications on several different servers. I now have more fault tolerance built in. Self-healing is the type of things we start seeing in this orchestrated uh, phase. Um, and I'm also starting to see some hybrid services being managed. So not just um, everything running in my cloud, but I'm also starting to see things running in the multi-hybrid cloud. So I'm orchestrating resources across public and private clouds. Very interesting uh, thing. And what would the benefits that we get here are decreased OPEX costs because things are becoming more and more automated as well as decreasing CapEx costs. So another huge benefit. The other thing that we're seeing in this phase is time to deployment um, decreases dramatically as well. We've taken humans out of the deployment of new infrastructure. This is all happening automatically and in an orchestrated manner. So decrease um, dramatically, great. So now when we get up to this real time, now we're in this real time service level agreement infrastructure. Now I start dealing more with not just applications, now I'm dealing with services. Smaller granularity of, of value um, services, services that are providing value to me, shared services across my infrastructure. They all have different service level agreements or quality of service statements. I can now orchestrate these services with each other across multiple um, clouds, across public and private. Um, even legacy infrastructure now can be tied in all together. And you can see in this phase, I talk about three different uh, subphases pooling, which is hybrid infrastructure pooling, policy-based orchestration, and then all the way up to that service-based, where now I have a real-time enterprise. It's optimizing my infrastructure and my services. Why run a service when I don't need it? I should only run services when they're needed type of orchestration that's going on. So I'm optimizing my infrastructure, my data management, as well as my services all together. 
And this gives me that real-time uh, service orchestration, uh, service level managed. So I'm always meeting the service level agreements that I've agreed to for uh, my customers as an IT professional. Now, when I mentioned before, very few organizations have moved all the way to the upper right. And when they do, I can keep moving the bar. We can talk about data, uh, more data-driven architectures and things like that. The key here is don't get discouraged. Find out where you're at, and you can easily see what the next steps you can take are. Whether you're moving horizontally across and you're virtualizing more things and simplifying more things, or you're moving um, vertical where now you're looking at more and more automation and kind of removing the bottlenecks of humans making decisions in those spaces. I hope that you found this uh, maturity model useful. You can check out the blog. It has a copy of the maturity model. There's uh, some papers on this as well. And hopefully you can use this to help yourself find out where you're at and where you want to move to. Thanks for listening to Embracing Digital Transformation today. If you liked our episode, go ahead and give us five stars on your favorite podcast or video streaming site. You can also find out more on embracingdigital.com. Until next time, keep moving forward and embrace the digital revolution.